Hey everybody, Josh Sheridan here with the Barely Legal Podcast. Very excited for today's guest. We have Eric Collins on from Mystery NC and a whole host of other bands that he's been involved with. Uh, he has been a part of the local music community for, what, 20 yeah. plus years, Defin- give or take? Yeah, yeah, for sure. How old are you? Uh, 46. Okay, so we're about the same age. Yeah. And you're a Lakeland guy. I am. I was born in St. Pete, and uh, but have pretty much been raised in Lakeland. Where were you born in St. Pete? Um, Is it St. Joseph's or St. Anthony's? St. Anthony's or Bayfront was one of the St. two. St. Anthony's, St. Anthony's. I was born in I was born in St. Anthony's. Oh, right on. Uh, I yeah. How long did you live in St. Pete? Uh, till I was five, and then also again when I was uh, fresh out of high school for a couple years. And but where I did ha- you live? Do you remember what neighborhood? Yeah, well, it was my grandmother's house. It was on Coquina Key. Oh, um, for sure. Yeah. Like, is that in that southeast? Right. You go through some bad neighborhoods to get to some good neighborhoods <laughs> right. in Coquina Key. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, that's you pretty. Got, was, isn't Thrill Hill by there? That big hill that like everybody bottoms out going yeah. over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so. Yeah, yeah. Used to that used to be a thing in high school. Everybody would try and jump Thrill Hill. <laughs> nice. So that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, there, who was the the box? Hydra Lacey lived out there, and that's where they had the shootout where he was in the attic shooting down through a ceiling at the cops and they were shooting up oh wow through the ceiling at him he was uh jeff lacy who's a pretty famous boxer who was a former client of mine oh damn. um yeah but they had a it was the weirdest shootout ever literally they were shooting through the roof and this the at each other <laughs> it's like an action movie um i know i know it's I, it, <laughs> sadly it, it really happened but it would be kind of a cool scene in bad boys or something <laughs> right. um so Lakeland, I, I I very rarely do homework for guests because mm-hmm. uh, I, I I hope that it's more of a natural conversation. But for the bigger guests, I do my homework, and so you should be honored to know that oh. I did a little bit of homework. Okay, for you. I mean, nice. I had already had some 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 background through you know working with you on that concert, but uh, uh, you know, reading about your run-ins with UFOs and oh, your uh, involvement, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So <laughs> that was pretty, pretty oh, interesting. That's funny. Um, but I, I'm trying to think of how I first came upon you. And I think it has to be through Keith at Microgroove because I know that yeah. through various <clears throat> ventures that you've been a part of, you've worked with his label on mm-hmm. different things, right? Yeah. Yep. 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 Now, Mr. ANC is not on, on Granada, right? No, um, but the only, other, or maybe used to be. Yeah. It was uh, the, f- I did, uh, let's see. Two, well, it started with my last band before Mystery and C was the Dark Romantics. We did a seven inch, and then that we we stopped that, and I started Mystery and C, and I did two, or I did a split seven inch, and then a split cassette, and then two LPs, maybe something else in there that I'm forgetting, and then the last two EPs have not been on New Granada. And there's one other one before the. Mm-hmm. Is it the Dark Romantics? The Dark Romantics was before Mystery and Sea, and then before that was Denison Mars. That's what I'm thinking of. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, you've got a, a decent catalog between those three acts. And, I mean, Mystery and Sea between, you know, EPs and full, yeah. full length, you've got about four or five different pieces, right? Yeah, yeah. It's a bunch. It's a lot. Now, is it my understanding that Mystery and Sea is kind of a rotating cast of musicians behind you where you're the only consistent one or is that how that works yeah i i started it um kind of like i was after dark romantics i was getting a little depressed by not not releasing and creating so i started as a solo project which is why you know mystery and is my initials um i'm really bad at band names i've should have got help but um especially not putting the period in there right like i'm like oh i'll make it like rank like it's some cool name and it's terrible and keith has busted me about it a million times is there any relation to scooby-doo at all or is that just (laughs) anecdotal (laughs) well so well so my son is a huge scooby-doo fan and i was like is that mystery incorporated is that you know the mystery Mystery, and see it's a (laughs) so i was like that's rad because my son will dig it for that reason but no i i mean i think let's go with that yes yes i'm gonna go with that yeah 
revisionist <laughs> re- reverse engineer the, the the story behind that's that. right so i mean i know you've talked about this with other publications and other people but I, being a saint pete guy myself and living in tampa uh you know the article that i was reading was talking about you know if if, if you don't know about lakeland's music scene then you don't know about music and <laughs> I, I i'm ashamed to admit that i don't know about lakeland's music scene and i've been very i mean i remember playing lakeland in high school playing football you know i've always yeah. been aware of lakeland and i would never peg it for a uh, creative outlet for musicians, you know? So uh, what was, it comes in up, waves. What was that like? Yeah, it comes in waves. Were you a skateboarder? Were you, how did, how did you, how did music enter your life? Did you have it in your family? Was it? Yeah. My, my mom is super, um, she was like classic rocker, uh, went to concerts growing up, all that stuff, um, raised me on classic rock. And then, uh, she married my dad. Who's, he's not my biological, but he's, um, he was a minister of music for Southern Baptist churches. So, and he always listened to classical. So I either had classical music playing in the house or I had Led Zeppelin cranked, you know what I mean? Um, and then my dad always had a piano and my mom always had guitar. So I was always kind of bouncing around. I never got lessons or anything, but I just always messed around. And um, I didn't I didn't totally remember this until later, but my mom always had me like the toy drum set. So you would get from toy right. stores and they were like paper heads. And I would sure. sh- I'd shred them after a couple months, but she'd always have a drum set for me. I think my grandmother probably bought them. Um, so we would, my mom tells me that we would jam before nap time every day. She'd go pick a new record, put it on and we'd play. And she's like, you know, babe, after a few years, you're actually keeping like keeping the beat with these guys. Um, and so I just, all through my life, it was just different. It was mostly classic rock and classical music. And then me just messing with whatever instruments were at my fingertips. So doing this as long as I have now with different musicians, I've defined there's about four or five ways that music enters people's life. There is the older brother. Yeah. There is the the parent who, whatever, there's someone who's heavily involved in the church and mm-hmm. had that there. And then there's skateboarding. Those are the ones that somehow, if music gets into your life more than just listening to the radio, like a deeper love for it or a deeper following of it, the the odds are it's going to be one of those that came in. And it's interesting because you're kind of a delta bef- between a, a few different yeah. areas coming into your life. I'd say um, I'd have all of those except older sibling because I don't, I'm an only child, but. Um, are you? Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, that's a recurring theme. I'm, I too am an only child and I just finished yes. at 345 my therapy session that uh, <laughs> oh, I've no. spent five, six years talking about what being an only child has done to me. Oh no. Um, yeah. You want, we, we can get into it. I mean, uh, <laughs> you have a much higher, higher likelihood of being an empath if you're an only child because mm. you don't have siblings that you're distracted by. So you spend a lot of your formative years being keenly aware of your parents and whatever, they're going through. And so I, I would, I would submit that being an only child, being an empath, being into music, all of these things on a Venn diagram tend to start to overlap and, you know, yeah. could probably, you know, part of the recipe of Eric Collins is a lot of that stuff. I mean, for guessing sure. that could be completely wrong, but so uh, only child music in your life. Um, evidently, you know, religion played a pretty big part of your life, mm-hmm. uh, if, if not still currently early on. Um, was that because of your stepdad or just kind of how? The um, uh, well, my, I mean, my mom, I, my family's been in church. So I was raised in church uh, my whole life. And with my dad, um, you know, we stayed in church and that was music. I never liked church music. You know what I mean? It was just it was yeah. there and I had to be there and um i think to try to keep me engaged whatever my dad would have me run sound so there's this teenage kid up in the sound booth running right running sound which that i got in a lot of different situations in trouble because you know being a kid and whatever but um like burping into the microphone and (laughs) yeah and like i mean there's a bunch of stories it's so funny but uh, i think i even recorded our my first band's first demo at a church and my dad was on the board it sounded terrible it was like one mic in the room and we all played acoustic live or something it's, you know it's terrible but um even that's a cool thing though you know like 
my dad not having any idea what our music was doing because it wasn't him. You know what I mean? But he's like, you sure. want to you want to do it? I'm gonna hit record and make sure it's you know what you want. So that you know that's what pretty was cool. It? What, what was it? Do you, who who were your bands back then? Oh, dude, that was um, early, well maybe mid '90s. So yeah, real grunge on heavy like alternative stuff like that. Uh, Pearl Jam, Smashing Pumpkins. Pretty much same stuff I'm emulating right now. So I'm like come full well, circle. Well, I, 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 I'll <laughs> argue with you on that point because I think you, I think you have, while you exist in that world, you definitely created kind of your own oh. mark on it. Um, cool, cool. Thank you. I mean, I, I'll get there eventually, but you know, I, I, I talk about a lot on the show how much of a music fan I was, while at the same time having almost no understanding of the local music scene. So yeah. I could talk to you at length about New York hardcore. I could talk to you about the <laughs> Minutemen and Black Flag and them creating, you know, tours. I could tell you about, you know, every guitarist the Red Hot Chili Pepper had and who, <laughs> who died of what over. I mean, I could I could go on at length about that, but I had no idea who Mr. Ian C was. I had no idea who Have Gun Will Travel was. I had no idea who Will Quinlan was. You know, all these people who, since I've really done a deep dive i'm like you got to be kidding me like these are these are deep deep talent deep content like there's no reason that these aren't not on the same level as whoever else is playing on whatever radio station oh, and man. and it's made me introspect or not introspective <clears throat> but made me kind of spend a lot of time thinking about tampa's place in the country and in the world and what has and I've asked this question, and it's funny because when I ask this question, people kind of get upset by it, and it's a poorly worded question. But <laughs> I put it on Facebook the other day. I said, "I said, why isn't Tampa Nashville?" And so, like Keith was like, "Why would we want Tampa to be Nashville?" I was like, <laughs> yeah, "I'm not yeah. saying, I'm not saying Tampa should be Nashville, but why is it in the same sentence as these other, you know, enclaves, whether it's Atlanta or yeah, Nashville or the bigger New York, LA, all these other things?" And the 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 two biggest answers I get is the how expensive it is for people to tour down here from uh, the rest of the country yeah and then just the sprawl creating kind of a a difficulty for there being kind of this central community it's kind of really spread out um yeah. do you have an opinion on that have you thought about that yeah i mean i think that's more those answers you got that's a little more addressing i guess like a live hub because of touring bands coming down here but i mean as far I feel like you're asking even more like creatively, why aren't artists from this area, you know, getting more recognition of stuff. And that's when I've thought about it, it seems like there's, there's not a whole lot of uh, representation as far as uh, music. Like, I don't want to say A&R guys, and that seems like kind of outdated at this point, but uh, you know what I'm saying? Like people that are music industry to labels, and right. uh, hung like looking for artists in f even just in Florida. You know there are some that that get picked up and go on to much bigger things, and then but it's not. It, it seems like it never happens like it happens in these other cities and states where it's just like not just one. It'll trigger domino effect, or or people are always on the lookout. It's always what I've observed is Florida artists work have to work really hard to get noticed by not music lovers but by the people that will would bring them to record labels that are you well, know sure on, on i mean you have the scale. music lovers right you'll have the music lovers who will yeah find the most obscure you mm -hmm. know here's an alaskan you know whatever you know but <laughs> the people who have the money or make the decisions with money or get you know right you've really got to hit them over the head with a sledgehammer and do you know randy ojeda he's he's a he does a he reps different bands and stuff. He actually just passed the bar. I had lunch with him today and we were having oh, right this conversation because, because he's actually, he's actually, his firm is doing music, like music representation. And I oh, was cool, cool. Ta talking to him and I was like, you know, it's something I've always thought about, but what you always hear is, is you're, you're going to have to go to New York. Or you're going to have to go to wherever. And I was like, well, why can't, why can't we bring New York here? Or yeah. Why can't we, <laughs> you know, and what, what is it that, what is it that is it here? And, you know, I started thinking about like, 
if like third man was here or if the grand old Opry was here or if mm-hmm. either some type of venue or some type of studio, uh, sound city, or, I mean, of course, a lot of these places end up failing, but I just think in music, there's that kind of yeah. rollover anyway. But, you know, I, I so I agree with you. I, I, the touring thing, I think if there was a studio here, I think if there was like a premier venue here, mm-hmm. it would draw people here. And then if you had kind of a scene like, I mean, obviously, we had Morris Sound and all the death metal bands in the '80s and the '90s that came out of there. So, I, I, I think a studio could do that. But I, I just, I wish for that so much as I've gotten to become so fond of the local scene. It's, you know, there was a time where all I would listen to was people from other states. But now, you know, driving around, what mostly occupies my listening is you guys, and that's cool. You know, I got Elliot who uh, sings for Wreath, who opened yeah. for you guys when yeah, you play. He, he works rad. with me. He's gonna. He's playing twice this weekend at Fest. He's playing Vacancy and playing Wreath. He's playing yeah. those two. And then, so in any event, it's just such yeah. a deep bench of talent locally. Anyway, back to you guys. Yeah. Um, well, so you know, high school. I, I was going to add one more thing is, is like the music lovers I was saying is Florida is full of people that just love music. You know what I'm saying? So we're definitely not hurting there. And I, just, I don't know. And, th- and there's also a pride, I think with Floridian artists is some of some I've seen do move away. They're like, well, we're just going to go, we're going to go to New York or wherever we got to go. But I observe a lot of them being like, nah, we're, we're, we're going to just stay home and just do our thing. So, which is cool and not cool or not, not that it's not cool. It's just that, man, maybe you should go, you know, (laughs) like maybe that would bridge the gap or yeah. I mean, just for them to be able to, you know, fully realize their dream of of music as a hundred percent career you know maybe they just need to go do what they got to do but i do applaud anyone that stays home and's like well, i'm gonna keep i'm gonna keep my art here and i'm gonna keep feeding into the scene uh for yeah. you know whatever it is but it's frustrating it's such man. a diverse <laughs> thing because you have like tom petty yeah in gainesville you have against me mm-hmm. you have hot water music yeah you know then you come down Central Florida, and you got like propaganda, and then you have a lot of the, you know, obituary, death, yeah. uh, morbid angel, all that. And you get down to Miami, and you got Torch, and then a lot of Latino acts. And it's just the, the other thing is, is Florida's like four different states, too. Whereas, yeah. you know, a lot of these other states have here's our identity. Like New York has a very defined identity, you know. Yeah. And usually you're talking about the boroughs, or, you know, yeah, although there's yeah. Buffalo bands and whatever, but. Yeah, I think that's the other thing is to say what is Florida music. It could be a million different things. Oh, for sure. Which is, I yeah. think that's a cool thing. But maybe, you know, I don't know. Business wise, maybe it's too much for someone to want to come get into. I don't know why. It feels like if they just come prop in Florida, they're gonna find some really cool stuff. But I, yeah, know, I mean, I don't know. I think it depends on the conversation you're having. Like, mm-hmm. you know, as far as business, it sucks. But as far as New styles of music, you know. I had a. Do you know Pat Clemowes? She used to play for. Um, he used to play for the Hip Abduction, and now he's in this band Danfield. He's a. He's a. Cool. I, I call him Doctor Yolo because he's this. He looks like Thor. He's a paddleboard champion. Nice. Uh, over in Hawaii, he speaks Portuguese. He plays the Kambala Nangoni and all these different guitars. He's an allergist. Harvard grad. I mean, he's like that guy in. Uh, meet the parents when like she meets his old boyfriend and like oh, he yeah. does fucking everything. And he's like, <laughs> he doesn't have a leg up on him in any way. But anyway, he, uh, he, he was talking to me about the history of deltas, like geographical deltas in music, you know, the Mississippi Delta there's, there's deltas in Africa where mm-hmm. different types of music. And it's always these trade routes or these rivers or these things where you have two disparate communities or two disparate cultures or two disparate musics that are meeting each other at the the point of this delta and then something new is spawned and so Hmm. to your point about why florida is cool and why there's all these different things is the the probability of spawning something that we haven't heard before or something new so in, in that regard i think it's awesome yeah so high school bands like how 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 much did that kind of how far did that go? Were you doing high school parties? Were you doing no? I didn't even. Stuff? I didn't even play in high school. I didn't start playing uh, guitar. I mean, I was messing around, but I didn't actually start really doing it until right out of high school. Because um, I didn't have. I was into basketball and stuff in high school. I was. I was going to ask about sports. Yeah. Yeah, and I've I've surfed since I was like eleven or twelve. 
So I was always headed to surf, listening to music, and then playing basketball. Was, I know it's a weird, weird mix, I guess, but it's like... No, it's cool. You're like a... Yeah. Totally Florida. Um, yeah. And then skateboarding when I wasn't surfing, but um, I didn't have buddies in my group that played instruments until after high school. I started meeting more people that played instruments and kind of forced them to be in bands or try stuff or whatever and you said no lessons right <laughs> no no lessons my dad bought me a um like a chord tablature poster sure and, yeah. and i think he bought it like specs in the lakeland square oh, mall yeah. and i just sure. put it on the back of my closet door and i would just sit on my bed and move my fingers until like three chords sounded cool to me you know and then i was like there's a song and i would try to arrange it and um that, that just from there i think i still pretty much do that <laughs> well i mean us being approximately the same age we didn't have youtube back then which no YouTube is just a whole new world of yep like oh i want to play that song here's how you do it like here's right. the chords here's the guy playing it for you here's it in slow motion yeah here's, here's the guitar tuning. here's, here's, the, your, amp, yeah, here's like, the pedal. yeah i didn't have any of that i, th- my, I remember my i remember my mom was like i was like mom show me how to play and she's like all right pick a song and I think I put on Siamese Dream, and I was like, "Here's Cherub Rock, track one." And she's like, oh. "She she listened to it. And she's like, okay, that's like low. That's that's E. To, and I mean, they fully play and drop D, so it was wrong. But the open chording sounded right, and it was cool. And I right. I learned how to play the opening to that, and I just felt awesome. I was like, "This is it. I I've, I made it. I'm in a, a new realm." Um, you're 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 were sent down a path with no no prospect of return. <laughs> That's right. Um, so what what happens after high school? Um, I had enrolled in college, and then just w- at that point, I was playing with my band, and I was just like, man, I just I don't know what I want to go to school for, so I'm just going to take time off and do the band thing, and then I never returned. Uh, and where were you going? Uh, we, we were doing EP, like we were recording. No, and what we were, school were you going to? Oh, it was just going to be Polk State. Um, okay. Uh, but we were recording and we were playing everywhere in Florida and even a little bit in Georgia. So I was just having so much fun and I loved it. So I was like, let's just keep going. And that just, of course, snowballed. Now, were and, you singing and writing, writing music too at that time? Yeah, yeah. That was the very beginning of my first band, uh, Dennis and Mars. So how did you how did you find the songwriting like like because that's that's a muscle that I, I've always equated songwriting and singing to being like the punter for a football team like yeah. it's the easiest job it doesn't take <laughs> much skill it's just whatever and then I started a band where I was the one writing and having to sing and I was like I think I've got the fucking hardest job of everybody <laughs> yeah. else here like trying to like come up with something that doesn't sound lame, not copy somebody else, figure out the phrasing, figure out, uh, uh, not to mention doing it as the same time as you're playing an instrument. I mean, it's not easy, or at least to me, it's not easy. No, that was difficult at first, like the playing and singing at the same time. Um, Luckily, I had sang my whole life from being in like church choirs and stuff. Sure. Um, So I could actually sing. And then also from just singing to music, you know, like what I'm listening to in my car or whatever, like through high school and everything. Um, so I could sing. I just had to learn how to play guitar at the same time. But the songwriting, man, I was, I mean, it's, you know, terrible, terrible at first. And it was mostly, I'd have an idea and then, you know, like the normal thing, you bring it into the rest of the band and they're like, oh, it'd be cool if we did, we did this or if we did that. Um, and I also, luckily, was making alternative rock, so I could hide behind some swooshy pedals, and it sounded cool. Yeah, fuzz it out, yeah. Yeah, it would, it, you couldn't hear all my, <laughs> you know, like I couldn't actually play the chords on, on the downbeat. I was always feeling sure. to get there. Um, but again, it was like back to the poster chart. It was like three chords, and then, oh, I, I heard there's a thing called a bridge where you're kind of supposed to play a new chord that takes you in a new, a new emotion, so we got to try that. Um, I'm trying to remember there, I had like a breakthrough moment where we had recorded, maybe we hadn't recorded yet, or we recorded like a tape or something was terrible. And then I think we were up in a youth room practicing and I wrote this song and it was like, actually had parts and I don't even know where it came from. There's like an intro verse chorus. You know what I mean? There was like other parts Mm -hmm. other than verse and chorus and I just remember being so happy and proud of myself. Like, 
this is cool. Like I'm at, something's happening that, you know what I mean? You're learning to fly. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. very cool. So how long did that first band go on for? That was probably good. Probably like nine years. Uh, it, it went all the way till 2000, 2006. So I think like 97 cool. to 2006, 2007, something like that. Uh, so so I guess, early 20s, mid 20s. Yeah. Um, and why did that band end? Just everybody went their own way or? Yeah, and kind of fizzled and um, like a band member too unhappy. And then we were just getting grumpy and um, kind of just started hitting our head against the wall as far as like progress. And um, right. kind of like one of them really wanting to go on with a career, like professional stuff. And it just felt like it was time. Um, right. Yeah. So what's the genesis of Dark Romantics? That was... So Dean, who is the guitar player in, in Mystery and Scene, he's my brother-in-law. He married my wife's The tall sister. guy with the dark hair? Yep, yep. He married that my wife. That plays the most right? Yeah. The most right? Yeah, lead yeah, guitar. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, he married my wife's sister. And he was the second drummer in Dennis and Mars because we were buddies from, from us touring in Florida. He's from uh, South Florida. And... Um, so he had came and played drums and then we quit, we stopped the band. And so him and I were real close and had written a bunch of stuff. So we're like, let's do this thing. We recorded demos, got a little indie label and we're like, well, we don't want to leave our wives because we're tired. We At that point, it had been a few years that we were touring and leaving our wives and we were kind of over it. And uh, we're yeah. like, y'all are going to learn how to play instruments and you're going to be in the band and come on tour with us. So, so his wife learned, she had kind of messed with keyboards. So she just learned the songs. My wife had slightly dabbled in bass. So she's like, all right, just teach me the bass. So got her gear that I thought was cool and then just taught her the bass. And then her best friend, uh, played drums. And the cool, the coolest thing, this is so punk is the three of those girls, did not know how to play an instrument. And they learned the songs perfectly. Like I messed up more than they did. Sure. Um, because I'm all thinking I know how to play music, but they're like, right, the right, song. Yeah. I'm gonna play it perfectly. They didn't know how to play anything else and they didn't care to play anything else. They're like, nah, we're just, we just play these songs. You know, like I thought that was so. That's an punk. amazing story. I love that story. Yeah, That's really so, rad. Yeah, I love it. And um, it's funny because like my wife, they they'd have she'd have people come up and be like, "Oh, what's these pedals? Your guitar?" And she's like, "I don't know. Talk to him." And she yeah. didn't she didn't <laughs> care. She's like, "I don't know anything about him. I just know I step on it on the chorus of this song." And da da da. I, I mean, I, she had a Rickenbacker bass, and it was the oh wow. Oh, it was so sweet. Yeah, and uh, I mean, you don't get much better than that. No, Ampeg, and she's like, I don't know any of the gear. I just know I like it. Talk to him if you want to talk like gear nerd stuff. And she'd just walk off, and it was I loved it, man. I thought it was the coolest, coolest vibe. That How they was that did. for your relationship? Did that? Do you think that brought you closer together, or did that create like a you know? Um, I mean, that's I, really cool to do something that you love with your wife. I mean, that's yeah, you know, not common. Well, the, to throw another wrinkle in there, we also had our daughter that we would bring with us and a nanny, and she was three years old or some, yeah, two or three when we started. Um, they did the bagpipes and the, uh, yeah, no, the triangle. Like, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> well, it was funny because we would bring a friend as a nanny or my mom, depending on who was available. And uh, right. a perfect example is I remember this vividly as we were on tour and we were unloading on the street in downtown Philadelphia. And I remember pulling out our gear and then we had a huge uh, plastic like merch bin, but it was clear. We pull right. that out and it's full of My Little Pony toys and Care Bears. And I remember all, you know, all the tough, like tough downtown Philly people yeah. are like looking and they're like eyeballing the My Little Ponies. And I was like, my daughter's on tour with us. And they're like, oh, okay. But it was just, That's amazing. It was funny pulling out these, these toys. Like, I mean, it had a castle. I thought you were going to tell me you brought the wrong bin. You forgot the merch and brought her <laughs> toys instead. I would have um, sold That's those. awesome. So what uh, was the what was the the vibe for the dark romantic? Like, do you have a discussion of here's what I want this to sound like, or is it just kind of like play and it sounds like it what it sounds like? Um, no, like Dean and I wrote everything and recorded everything, and um, that was two 
like 2006 through 2009. So that was at that point, it was real like uh, Franz Ferdinand and Killers and like the kind of the the art dance dance sure. punk stuff. And uh, we were doing more of that and like Arcade Fire and all that. And uh, we were kind of trying to do that, but not you know rip it off or anything. Um, sure. And also, I kind of that's when I was really getting into uh, like minor chords and kind of like the surfy, surfy stuff. Um, so yeah. that was the beginning of that. Right. Um, but yeah, we we did that together full on. Now, how many kids do you have now? Two. I got a uh, daughter and a son. Your daughter's the older one, son's younger? Yep. How old are they? My daughter uh, turned 17 in June and he... Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, and, wow. He, <laughs> and he turned 13 <laughs> in March. Okay, well, it's that well done. You're gonna have some life. You're gonna have some retirement to enjoy. Yeah, <laughs> just meaning you're gonna be able to actually like get up and move around and go places when they're out of the house. You're not gonna oh, be yeah. like on an oxygen tank. A little bit. Um. Well, so I, I, my dad, my mom and dad were older, and uh, I always wanted to be a younger father because my dad was 38 when he had me, mm. and uh, I, I just always remember growing up thinking my dad was way older than all the other kids' dads, and. I wouldn't change it for the world, but that was just something that always stuck out to me. And when I yeah. met my wife, she had been married previously. And so as luck would have it, I didn't have my first till I was 38. So I completely oh. <laughs> did the same thing he did. But I have my daughter who's seven now and my son who's three now. So I have yeah. a, a girl and a boy too. But um, right on. so what, what, what brought about the end of that band? Um, <clears throat> with that band, we all discussed how um especially from my experience with the first band and dean coming in at the end of that and because it was family we um we wanted to make it not not run it like a business but we definitely wanted like clear goals so that we didn't just start uh you know what i mean like what's what's the right wording just kind of meandering or not getting flounder you had a you were you were moving some in a direction yeah. yeah i we wanted if it's like if we get to this point then we'll move on to the next and you know what i mean like if we accomplish this goal we'll keep going but i didn't want to get to because family was involved i didn't want us to hit a wall and just get super frustrated trying to break through it and then turn on each other like bands you know what i mean yeah i mean that's the worst thing that could happen is that what happens to bands to happen to your family you know right yeah so all I, of a sudden I, you become fleetwood mac or something <laughs> yeah so um we, we i mean we did pretty good and then the last album um it did it didn't do as good as the first one. And so I was kind of seeing it taper off. And I'm like, all right. And then uh, we got pregnant with our son and we're like, everything, you know, all of everything's aligning to say we should probably at least pause and figure it out. And then we're like, yeah, we're, we're all kind of good and we're all happy with each other. And we were happy with all of our adventures that we had had and experiences. So we, it was like, yeah, we're good. <laughs> were you was that how you were making a living at that time or were you also working um we would work when we were home um so it was kind of half and half uh they i was i would deliver pizzas and was like a manager but i had a lot of freedom and uh dean and his wife were servers and i forgot, I forgot what carla was doing uh my wife um so we were all in like service industry stuff so that we could come and go Right. Um, but we did, we did pretty good on tour. We had booking agent and, um, we got pretty good, pretty good deals and it was really now, fun. Mis- At some point you, you get into graphic design or you start doing that. Yeah. Too, that's, don't you? yep. That was right from the beginning of when I started doing music was I've, cause I've always drawn and everything my whole life. Real, sure. All that stuff. I mean, stuff. I can see so, behind you, you got a bunch of stuff. And, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I was just I was like, well, I'll do the art, you know, I'll do the merch, whatever. And then friends bands were like, hey, will you do ours? And I, it just kept going. And my dad, I he had Corel draw on his computer for me. So I learned how to Corel. start doing. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, before that was, was <laughs> your Macintosh 64. <laughs> yeah, man. Before that was MS Paint. Dude. I, I've, yeah, I've, yeah. I've, I've done every rung of the ladder. You've, yeah. Um, so, yeah, it, it, self-taught again, just figuring it and out. You're, as you're I still, you're. Are you making money for that too? On the because I, I I've mm-hmm. seen since I've become friends with you on social media that you have put up pieces that you're working on for this yeah. person or that person or 
My my nine I, to five is graphic design for like box printing company, um, okay. like a big national one. And so that's cool. But then I also do the freelance stuff on the side just because it's super fun and creative because the box printing is not creative. But sure. the, yeah. but but it helps me. It helped me really get efficient with my skills and the programs and everything. But then album layouts and merch and all that is, of course, I, that's super fun. Show posters um keith keeps me busy most of the time with all his stuff I was talking, <laughs> I, i'm sure i'm gonna misquote him or misreport the story but I, I i think he was telling me that like he was telling me about the album sales that you had while with him and then the album <laughs> sales you had when you went away from him and how like <laughs> i think it was like the last album or the last two albums like sold 10x 20x yeah all of what was sold with him and uh did, did was it like a Christian rock label or there, there's something interesting about um, the new Am label. I misremembering? No, no, no. Is no. that what it is? It, there was something unique about the story. It's the label now started kind of as in that scene and it's not now, sure. but a lot of the same people have stayed with it throughout the years. But a lot of that, a lot of that buying crowd and the supporters of that label are uh, aware of all that scene. So when I, started did the projects on that label there was a lot of people <laughs> that were like oh this is the guy Crossover. from that band that he's oh he's yeah. still making music I'm like duh like i've been yeah. here the whole time so um yeah keith makes sure i know about that constantly it's a good oh he's a trip he's a trip <laughs> i'm going to see i'm going to uh see a uh, slap reality and uh, moving targets there tonight at his at my oh Cabrera. yeah and yes i uh i had court yesterday and in, in uh Pinellas County and anytime I'm over there I try and hit Planet Retro so I was talking to Rob who drums for Slap Reality and yeah I was like I was like how ironic is it that the two most curmudgeonly people I know in this world are both record store owners and drummers for local punk that's like I was like does <laughs> what, what what comes first the curmudgeon or the you know, like do your professions and hobbies make you that way or something about who you are as a person drive you to that that world but <laughs> That is uh, funny. Yeah, no, I've, I've, i every, every idea I have, I come to Keith and he shoots me down. You know, I, I oh, still yeah. to this day try and convince him that we need a vinyl press here in Tampa, and he's like, "You're gonna piss all your money away. It's a <laughs> waste of money." Just da, 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 da. Uh-huh. then I was, uh, do you know Devin Brady? Mm-mm. He, he's a. There's a local art consortium called the Crab Devils. They have this thing called oh, the Peninsularium cool. that they're working on. It's okay. like this installation that's all in these uh, semi trailers where it's going to be like this intersection of music and like tactile art that you can like it's like going to be this kind of experience it's this idea that they've done in texas and california that he's kind of taken over but he just flew out to like new mexico or arizona and took like a a record cutting course and i was like i would have loved to do that to you but i was talking to keith about it. it's like you know how long it takes to cut a record he's like the same amount of time it takes to listen to a record yeah so how many records how many records are you gonna cut if you have to listen to 90 minutes you know do it over and over and over again and i was like lathe cutting is crazy well and and the thing is is it's either pressing or lathe. i mean that's those are your only two options there's no like middle ground that they just spit records out so yeah anyway it's interesting to me but um so getting to mr enc so i when i was booking that show uh it was for odd a who uh you know just had a shitty shitty year and i was trying to think of a way that i could you know get people out get them some money put together and i was trying i'd never i'd never booked a, a bill before and i was like well who goes well with each other and, uh, you know, the Nervous Girls, they had been transitioning from more of a Sleater Kinney type of music. And they, they, Anne really loves pedals. So she was buying pedals left and yeah. right. And I was like, this is starting to sound more like The Cure, the more, you know. And, yeah, yeah. And Elliot's my boy down the hall. So it's just like anything I could put him on, I'm going to put Elliot on. It's like, well, this is kind of cool because it goes from straight just no frills kind of punk to kind mm-hmm. of punk that's getting a little bit more fuzzy to you guys who yeah you know i i, I know you say you're you're aping off of other people but i really don't think that you are and it's funny because i was we were talking on instagram and for whatever reason that song soma off a of, uh, off a of siamese dream i li- that's like my favorite song off of that album yeah. and i listen yeah. to it all the time and then if i anytime i list the top five albums that i like disintegration is always on oh. it. Yes. and plain plain song the the song yeah. that starts that album off 
So us being mid forties, you probably grew up watching John Hughes movies like Breakfast yep. Club or and something about that song to me seems like the end of a John Hughes movie. So yeah. it, it takes me to and I had this conversation with Matt Burke from uh Have Gun Will Travel and he's like, Same, same. Every yeah, time man. I hear that, it's like <laughs> a movie. It's 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 uh what's the word? Uh not filmatic, but um theatric. There's something yeah, theatric cinematic. about it. Yep. But that's the feeling I got, especially with the newest one. But then there's a couple songs off of your older stuff as I <clears> kind <throat> of went back through from from most recent to older. But with with your music, it definitely is evocative of the Smashing Pumpkins, the Cure. You know, you could say My Bloody Valentine, Jesus and Mary Chain. You know, mm-hmm. some maybe some Weezer like Pinkerton. Era, you know, yeah. Um, and but it's it's its own thing, and it's so. And I swear I'm not blowing smoke up your like this. I, I wouldn't say this if I didn't think it was true. But the production on it, the sound on it, it's just deep and rich. Like, and it's something where like I can listen to it ten times, and the tenth time hear something that I didn't hear the first few right. times. And so I don't. I, I haven't spent a lot of time with your earlier stuff, so I don't know the evolution, like how much of that it took you to get to where you are. But mm-hmm. very impressive to me. I mean, mm. I. I if I could, you know, I've had that feeling a few times before. Like I took, um, I took my wife who likes music, but just, you know, in the car or, mm-hmm. or on in the background and yeah. some other friends who are not, you know, music nerds by any stretch, but I took them to see have gun at a uh, new world when new world opened back up after COVID and yeah. they were all blown away. They were like, this band's from Sarah's like they're from here and i was like yeah i mean they're <laughs> yeah you know they're, they and they played some of the new stuff that they haven't even put out yet and then i took some lawyer friends of mine to go see will quinlan and mm-hmm. uh he uh i mean that guy's fucking deep and he's yeah. like bob dylan and mm-hmm. john prine and elliot smith and yeah. you know you name it just kind of in one and you hear you hear a lot of life in his singing and he played a played a Tom Petty cover Southern accents and he also played an Ozzy Obama I'm coming home I was like I was like this is brilliant I love this is like scratching yeah, an itch yeah but like one of the attorneys with me was like crying and and so I I'm really loving the introducing because it, it did it to me now introducing people here locally and say this is in your backyard like right. you don't have to go to California you don't have to go on I mean, we don't really have go to MTV for music anymore, but I mean, <laughs> these people live and right, shop right. at your Publix, like they're yeah. around. So, so mystery and see, I mean, you kind of talked on a little bit, but like, what was the, what was the impetus there? I mean, you told me you were kind of on your own and wanting to have an outlet and. Yeah, it, that's what it was. And I just, you know, I start, I started getting a little depressed cause I wasn't creating and I didn't even realize that it was my wife that was like, Hey babe, you haven't been creating, you need to do something. So I started doing a song at a time, and when I first started, it was a little more, um, a little more like in the gorillas realm, like using some drum samples mixed with whatever with real drums and stuff. And then I kind of, uh, I would play just solo with some tracks, and I was really fast. I felt naked and too alone. I didn't like that there wasn't like the energy of a band and instruments and stuff and. Um, so I started to get Dean again, I brought him back, <laughs> roped him back in and he would play live drums or whatever I needed. Was and... he still in South Florida or was he living locally now? Oh no. Yeah. He was local. Okay. Um, he, he had moved even when he joined the first band. Okay. Um, but yeah, I just slowly started to implement more real instruments. And by the time, um, by the time I did the first LP, it was full band sound, even though I recorded it all one instrument at a time and stuff, it was full band sound. And I just kept going with that. Cause I just, that was where I was, uh, at that point. And I didn't want to experiment with samples and stuff anymore. Um, on this project at least. So, and then it's just kind of gone on, uh, stylistically, the first two albums are more kind of what I was doing with dark romantics, like surfy, um, minor chords stuff like that real like darker surf spy stuff i guess um and then i started to transition into more like the bigger fuzz uh stuff just i kind of just go with what i'm gaze dark yeah kind of all these different 
yeah, words it, or phrases we use to describe this stuff. It's always in my heart and in my mind. It's just whatever I'm feeling at the time. Like any artist, like you're going to go sure. through your, I don't know, eras or whatever they are. But um, yeah, I, by the time I did the On and On and On EP, when I was writing those songs, um, I just got into a headspace where I just really wanted to write big, big songs, like anthems. You know what I mean? Like... Uh, not like What's the oh, first want... track on the new one. What's the first track on the new one? It's got like kind of this bend. It's the kind newest of an upbeat. One? Yeah. That's uh we do our own thing. Yeah, yeah. It's, that um, one's an anthem. I is I think that might have even been what your encore, your last song was that you played that night. I think um, so. Or it might have been the first song. It was either the first or the last. It was it, it held an important spot in the lineup, I remember that. But <laughs> But that that's one is a, definitely that's the hit a single. <laughs> well, for sure. I mean, I, I yeah, I, the uh, the chorus in that, the guitar at the beginning of it, spacey surf guitar. I mean, it's got yeah. all the bells and whistles in it. Anthemic is definitely a, a good phrase for it. Um, uh, my buddy, so my how, buddy here here in town, he's like, uh, he's like, I like to say that you make grimy anthems because they're so fuzzed out and like there's so many tones and dirt. He's like, they're anthemic, but they're grimy at the same time. I'm like, grimy anthems. I like that. So I had at, went in and added that into all my social media, like the bio that's, thing or whatever. That's beautiful. Yeah. Um, I have this uh, book that I always talk about um, called How Music Works uh, by yeah. David Byrne. Have you ever seen yeah, that yeah. book or heard of that yep. book? Yep. And so I'm always interested in kind of what music does to a brain or how a brain receives music. And I've had people, I've had a couple guys on the show who teach music. I've had a couple of guy who, guys on the show who teach music to special needs children. And it's interesting to me because mm. with some of the special needs children, instead of teaching them music in the traditional ways, they teach it. It's very sight based. Like there'll be a tone that's attached to a color. And so they'll be playing music by pressing buttons based on color, like color order. So it's this whole other kind of way into music from the way that most people play it. Yeah. And, you know, I've ha had conversations with people about people on the spectrum playing music and how a lot of, you mentioned classical music coming up, you know, I bet mm -hmm. you if we had the science around back then with a lot of these people, Mozart and these other people, there's probably a real good likelihood you would find that they were on the spectrum somewhere. Cause oh, I think for sure. Yeah feeling music, seeing music, you know, that was a question I wanted to ask you about how much your visual art has impacted your, the, your sonic art. Um, you know, do you kind of put the two and two together? It's, it's definitely interchangeable. And I have buddies that tease me about it. They're like, like, we'll just start writing or whatever. Like you've already got like the album cover in your head or what, you know what I mean? Or you already have, you already have like this whole campaign, and I can't help it. I just like the, it all comes alive in my brain. Like whatever the vibe is, I start, I start in, like seeing colors, I guess, like in the back of my brain. And I don't know how things go together. Um, which was a big, th big thing with the on and on EP, like in, in that cassette case, when you open it, it's, I did a uh, photo collage, like throwback of, of nineties, like, uh, art and that kind of stuff that I always liked, but as a, a way to modernize it i kind of made everything glitchy and like, almost like neon colors so it was like merging two different vibes and sure. uh, i've done that a lot on my social media and um i don't know i just see i see visually and so then they kind of interchange and, and meld together with the music and so it all becomes one thing and i think that works in my favor and make i think that kind of sets me apart from other people's because I feel like the visual comes across. Um, well, conceptually, you have a, a theme. There's kind of a total kind of. There's a story. There's a mm -hmm. you know. There's a there's a narrative. There's a visual aesthetic. There's a sonic palette, and all these things are kind of considered in the same context of each other. So while they're not mirroring each other, they they add to the experience. And I mean yeah, that. I think sure. I would. I would argue is a huge differentiator for you from a lot of, you know, people, you know, a lot of the local music that I, I, I love, but you know, there's, there's, there's no, there's no lack of local hardcore bands or whatever that are just straight hardcore. And it's kind of the same aesthetic and it's the same and, and taking nothing away from it. I mean, I'll, I'll listen to that stuff all day long, but yeah, same. it's kind <laughs> of, it's a well-worn path. Whereas, you know, to have a local kind of proggy, fuzzy, 
conceptual visual thing from Lakeland or wherever. I mean, that's, that's <laughs> what I love Lakeland. about it. Well, but I just, you know, and it's probably, I don't know. I mean, those aliens probably planted something in your brain that night. Oh, you didn't realize man. it. Yeah, Maybe yeah. that's funny. Uh, no, so, but um, I even get like Dean, uh, Dean or my bass player or whatever. They're like, they're like, well, music, you know, like music theory, you shouldn't lift to this chord or you shouldn't do this part. Or, and I'm like, listen, like sometimes I'll, I'll change it. We'll compromise. And sometimes it's like, I know what you're saying. I know I shouldn't go to this E major, but nothing else feels right to me. The vibe that I'm getting is we're supposed to go to this chord at, at the end of this. And you're like, okay, you know what I mean? And then when it all works out, it all sounds cool and it, and it makes it sound different than other stuff. Um, so I've enjoyed that, but I'm really stoked to hear that it comes through to you like that. Um, oh, a hundred percent. It is. There's a, there's a I, so I also like film. Film is a big thing for me. Movies yeah. and, and music are big and huge. I've, I've in the past year, I've, I've, I've ventured into trying to create on my own nice. and it's funny. I just started my third band today. None of them have any content, <laughs> but I have three different <laughs> groups that I'm working with and uh, I love it. The, well, the second one is a trip. I'll tell you about it. There was an article about this house. They found a an IKEA bag with eighty human skeletons in it, and I was Whoa. like, "That would be a great. That would be an amazing name for like a Swedish death metal band." So I started right? this band, IKEA bag with eighty human skeletons in it, and it's written, <laughs> it's written, it's written Jeez. in the death metal font. And so the yeah. the cover of it. This is where my brain goes. Is did you ever see that? that uh documentary is called like while the light remains or something and it's about it's about mayhem and burzum and all these like death metal bands in sweden oh, but anyways nor yeah norway or yeah, whatever. yeah yeah okay so their big thing over there is they used to set churches on fire yeah, that was, that yeah. was all they did so yeah I, I created this i'll send it to you it's it's ikea bags filled with 80 human skeletons and the cover is a church's chicken that's on fire <laughs> and then and then all of the song titles are uh ikea furniture so oh, it's nice. all like, yeah, or their meatballs, like the Hoovadrol is the first yeah. track and that's their, that's their vegan meatballs. And so I was just like, <laughs> but I, whereas all my friends who are musicians, they're approaching it through what is the sound like or whatever. It's like, I don't know what it sounds like, but here's what the cover is going to look like. Here's what <laughs> the awesome. song titles are going to be. Here's, here's what the lyrics are going to be. You guys figure out the music, but I'm going to yeah. do this part of it. But, You're um, the producer and A&R all wrapped up in one. Well, and, and so I, the, the other funny part is now for about four months, I've been taking singing lessons and I joke with everybody, like all my friends and bands is like, I am the most educated singer out of any of us here. I can't do it. It sounds like dog <laughs> shit, but I've taken more training singing than any uh, of you combined have done. Yeah. And so in any event, we'll see, we'll see if it ever, if it ever turns up. But, uh, so awesome. before we wrap up mystery and see that new, that new, is it an EP or do you? Consider it's about five songs. How many songs are on the new one? Four. Four. Okay. So, and when did that come out? That came out during COVID or right at the beginning. Yeah, of COVID, it was Jan. It was this year, but January or Feb. I think it was February. And how um, long had that been done? Like, was it was that a discussion about um, releasing it in the middle of COVID? It was done back when, like, we finished it right when COVID. We were all kind of getting locked down. Um, and then the guy mixed it while we were all locked on lockdown. Um, the reason it waited so long was because of vinyl uh, pressing, just there, which is like insanely long now to wait for vinyl. But back then it was even, it kept getting pushed back because I think it was originally going to be November and then it was December. And then they were like, you know, at this point, we need to wait until, you know, everyone's not stuck in their house at, like in some way. So, right. um, that's why it came out in February. Um, but and yeah, how's that been received? You know what, man? I, really, really well in a very cool way, and I'm very stoked about it. And I know that sound maybe that sounds weird because I'm the guy that did it or whatever, but um, it was refreshingly. It was different because I've never had so many people message me with um, stories of how the songs were affecting them, you know? Um, yeah. And I'm, d I'm not patting myself on the back or anything. It was just, it was very cool to get s repeatedly so many messages like, dude, the this song made me feel like this and I was thinking this and it took me back to when I was this age with, with these friends and I'm like, that's exactly what I wanted. 
I wasn't trying to make gimmick anything gimmicky, but I was definitely trying to hone in on certain vibes. Appealing. But then, yeah, and then but then modernize them and and bring them all together. So, you know, as an artist, for it for your vision to actually work to land somewhere <laughs> yeah. in, a, in a meaningful yeah. way yeah yeah i was like it made my heart explode man i was like so stoked and um it also kind of brought in it this was something that I hadn't really put into like a complete sentence in my mind was songs uh even albums but especially songs really create moments for people or at least they they kind of soundtrack the moments and cement moments in people's memories and their lives and um that's kind of where i started going with i really want to write these anthems i want to write these songs that are just so big um that they'll do help do this for people and so when people started messaging me that it worked i was like oh my god like I actually did it, you know. Mission <laughs> accomplished, yeah, <laughs> yeah for sure. I, I couldn't believe it. So, uh, yeah, when I say that, I'm just so stoked that it's affected people so positively in the way that I tried to make it work. Uh, I don't know. For sure. Well, I mean, and thats I don't think I finished that thought, but what I was starting to say about that David Byrne book is, um, you know, you think of like pet sounds or you think of yeah. the wall of sound or you think of, you know, different Beatles things where it's like, Somehow there's this magical co combination that just has this medicinal effect on people. It just mm -hmm. is soothing in a way, not in a boring, like, you know, yeah, hypnotic yeah, yeah. way, but it's just like, that's so pleasing to mm -hmm. the ear. And, and, you know, I think a lot of times the danger is that gets to, you know, that gets written off as pop or gets written off as easy or gets written off as, you know, it's not dark or it's not cynical or it's not yeah. whatever. And your music isn't cynical to me, but it's no less deep, you know, mm -hmm. it's no less meritorious, you know, it's, you know, like <laughs> I mentioned Weezer earlier, like you, you start to listen to stuff. And it's like, you guys don't need to be doing this. Like you don't need the money. <laughs> yeah. I don't think it's scratching any kind of artistic itch. Like, I don't know. I, does someone have like video of you that they're going to release <laughs> if you don't put out a shitty <laughs> album every year? Like I don't get, but, um, you know, so it's funny, you know, but I've, I've, there's, as I've had children, so coming up, I, I, I felt that everything had to be dark. You know, the music had to be dark. The movies yeah. had to be dark. Everything yeah. had to be sinister for it to have any kind of artistic merit. If it's not revealing some dark truth about life in the world, then it's, it's garbage. But once I had kids, I, I started, I was like, I was like, you know, I, I wouldn't mind if things were okay. I wouldn't mind if things were better. I wouldn't mind yeah. if things weren't quite so deep and so heavy. And it's, going way off on a tangent now, but like, um, I don't know if you watch Ted Lasso, oh but my like God, every, it. so love good. It. And it's, love it. and it's, it's funny. He was on Saturday Night Live this past week and he said, it's, it's amazing that it's so popular because it's two things that America hates kindness mm -hmm. and soccer. And, <laughs> yeah. uh, and I, I thought, you know, it's funny kindness. I keep the first couple episodes. I was like, okay, when is this like when does we find out he murders people or when right, is someone, right. you know, and it, yeah. every time it flirts with the idea that something could untoward happen, it doesn't, it goes right. kind of like a healthy way. And then my kid, your kids are too old for this, but there's this show Bluey that we watch and it's this mm -hmm. Australian cartoon. And I joke with all my friends that Bluey is the kids Ted Lasso. It's like super funny. Like I, I'll go home and watch it without my kids there. I mean, the, the, <laughs> the sense of humor is so on point, but it's, yeah. It doesn't go dark. So, in any event, you, Mr. Ian C is the Bluey and Ted Lasso of. You, of you know, that's funny. Um, <laughs> local music. Like the thing about you were saying about like, like it has to be dark to be artistic, and I, I'm definitely guilty of that too. Like that's what I was doing with Dark Romantics, and and I would go back and forth, and then especially with the last two Mr. Ian C releases, I was really paying attention to like, um, like the Cure, can have really dark moments and then extremely bright and cheerful and fun you know what i mean like friday i'm in love and and some other it, i mean they're just so amazing so i was like i can do that you know what i mean i can yeah i can i can not have to play minor chords to feel artistic or to feel like i'm not selling out on myself or something um sure. and so then i just found a way to mix the two 
And I really was, instead of just listening to The Cure and like enjoying it, I started to kind of try to break it down. like Unpack not, it. Yeah. yeah, I was real careful because I didn't want to do it too much where I couldn't enjoy it, you know, from this point forward. But I was like, I, I can do that. I can try that. And that's where I started to go. Um, so are you writing now? Yeah, we've actually, we just finished four new songs and they're going to start being mixed soon. And they're definitely along the same lines as as the newest EP. Um, and we're going to be, that'll be a split uh, record with some friends from Los Angeles. That's badass. Uh, and you guys are, I, I see you playing a, a good deal. I mean, you looks like yeah. you're getting a four or five shows a month. I mean, give or take. Yeah, it's... I'm not trying to, they're just kind of coming and going. So it's been really fun. And we just wanted to, uh, like everyone else kind of stir crazy, you know? So we just want to get out and, and have fun and see friends and stuff. So we've been, you know, just doing that. And if something makes sense for that, we talk about it and we're like, yeah, let's go for it. Let's do it. So it's I just been think cool. there's such an appetite. I mean, it's like, it's like being celibate for two years and then all of a sudden, you know, everybody's ready to party. It's like, <laughs> right. you know, yeah. let's, let's get out there and trade a little bit of paint. Um, <laughs> so, so playing live, I mean, have you noticed a difference in the crowds post COVID from pre? I mean, your music is people can stand still or they can kind of move around to it. I, I've just been interested in what is, what is the atmosphere? I mean, I saw it firsthand with that one show, but um, we've even had another spike since then. And I guess the numbers are back down now, but like, yeah. has it impacted your experience playing? Um, not, not really. Um, yeah. everyone at the shows, everyone's been really cool with stuff masked or whatever they needed to do. Um, yeah, the standing around and the dancing, that's always, it, uh, I don't know. It all depends on the vibe, I guess, of people sure. <laughs> like, uh, we did a Lakeland one, um and there was a lot of people dancing and i hadn't yeah. really i hadn't had that in a while and you know it just felt really good it was really fun yeah, you feed off of it yeah it sure. was really good energy in the room and uh it was super fun it turned out to be a really cool night but i, I don't know it's it's definitely always a better vibe when people aren't standing there with their arms crossed and you're like are you judging me? I can't tell what you're doing. Why are you here? You know. Have you ever played in Europe? <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, well, no, like I, a... <laughs> I. Well, supposedly Germany is. I've, 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 I've. This has come up in different conversations, but supposedly German music fans are very analytical, mm. and they are like watching you intently, like really yeah. watching you play, listening to what you do. But there's no emotion shown, no response. And then after they'll compliment you, but compliment you in a very kind of like, you know, it's like, is that, or is that positive? You know, yeah, it's like, yeah, yeah. It's like it, it, you had very interesting timing with your drums or whatever, which is like, <laughs> are you saying I was like behind Dragon or what, what, you know, was that a good thing or a bad thing? But yeah, anyway. I've heard the same and like different in Japan is they don't move and they're dead quiet. And then when the song's done, they clap. And you're like, I, yeah. I, can't, I can't tell. Is that a polite clap or did you actually enjoy yourselves? And then, right. Yeah. Well, I'd seen, I'd seen you guys. I saw Have Gun. I saw Will Quinlan. And that was pretty much the only, when oh, I saw a show at, do you, have you ever played, um, or do you know Mindwash, Latha Bell's band? I've heard of it. I haven't played. You guys got to play with them. Yeah. They, that, that guy, holy shit, man. He's another one that I watched and I was like, Rad. This guy sounds like Freddie Mercury. He sounds like a oh, mix between wow. Lane Staley, Freddie Mercury, Elton John, but the ma band is like a kind of a almost a Led Zeppelin. I was just like, this Ooh. fucking kid's got the got the goods. But um, yeah, yeah. I saw last week. I went and saw uh, Gojira and Knocked Loose, and uh, I'm not a big Gojira fan, but Knocked Loose is one of my favorite hardcore bands from Kentucky. And I was wondering how hardcore and covid would yeah. would do and i'm here to report it's gonna do just fine i mean that whole place went <laughs> ape shit and yeah. there's there was no social distancing happening whatsoever but yeah um it was pretty interesting well uh i've i've taken up enough of your time actually i teach at ut so i gotta go teach students about uh criminal law and procedure here at six o'clock and then i got fine. to show it at keys but i wanted to uh, are you familiar with mark Marin's podcast at all yeah 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 so that that's that was kind of my hero. That's what kind of got me into this world. And in right his on. earlier earlier shows, you know, he had a he had a kind of a rough go with drugs. And when he was having trouble with cocaine and stuff, he kind of ruined a lot of relationships. So he would do this thing where he would apologize to people. I'm going to apologize <laughs> to you because I never saw that email 
back oh. from you. And I, well, I, I, I talked to Keith a couple times about it. I was like, I think I might have pissed them off. I think I might have like, I don't know if like maybe I was supposed to like help them no. unload their stuff at the end of that show, or no I was way. supposed to do so. I, 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 I've, I've spent three months thinking I pissed you off somehow. Oh, and so man, when I, I sh- when I, I saw that email, up. I was like, I was like, I'm the asshole. Okay, I'm the <laughs> asshole. I can, I can deal with that. So I want. I didn't want to bug you. Before. I, I know you're a busy guy, so I, I was like, I'm not going to like. Well, you kind of got off Facebook, and then we're more doing yeah. IG, and then so yeah. I just, but. That was my bad, but anyway. Well, thank you so much. This this Dude, exceeded expectations. I, I really love you guys. I hope to uh, so see what comes out and where, cool. where you go from here. Yeah, all hit right. me up thank about so all that for... stuff, man. I yeah. So I, have you ever been? to – I think I asked you this. Have you been to Eight One Bay before? Not yet. Are you a beer guy? Are you a beer drinker? Yeah, 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 yeah. So I mean, my my office is in the Heights, and we've got Magnanimous, we've got Woven Water, we've got Hidden Springs. But I live near the base, near the, okay. the near uh, McDill, and okay. this place, Eight One Bay. I, I see it all the time, but I never went. And I ended up going in there with my buddy from Ireland, um, who's uh, loves you guys too. He came and watched the show. But anyway, Brad. this place is fucking huge. It's yeah. it's like a Publix, and it's got a giant parking lot. Like literally, you could hold a ton of people in there. You could put on a huge. You could have two stages. I mean, you could almost do like a Indoor like a <laughs> what's 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 the warp tour type shit. You know, where yeah. it's like okay, yeah. we're gonna do this stage and this stage, and they have twenty one different beers on tap that they all brew in house. And I'm like, and it's right there, right over Gandy Bridge, so you could pull St. Pete, yeah. Yeah. pull Tampa. And I'm like, this place needs to be used as a venue more. So yeah. uh, my buddy, Matt Henderson, who does the Zootsmas at Crowbar, and he's got this band Moon Thing, which you should check out if you like surf space okay. rock. He's he's who I want to open for you guys. Okay. Um, I just think it would be a rad night. So I, I am cool. going to follow up with you on that. Yeah, hit me up. Hit me up. All right. Let me see if I can. I'm going to end this, and then I got to send this to Mike without cool. deleting it somehow. So. <laughs> Same All right, way. I'll I'll bid you adieu. Have a good night. I appreciate you. All right, you. man. See ya. Thank, Thank you. you. All right, see ya. Bye bye.